This is the man. Frisbee. Is that his name? Frisbee. An incredible specimen. Done everything. Knows everything. Studied in most of their major universities. Holds a doctorate in at least eight fields. Obviously a key man. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed our discussion last week about four o'clock. Um, maybe maybe that was your favorite episode of the Twilight Zone. And if that's the case, I apologize for my stomping all over it. But I don't know if that's anybody's favorite episode. So if, if it is, then you can let me know. And then I will, I will handwrite you an apology and mail it out. But I will look real closely and sharpen my pencil and look real closely at the paper with my bottle, like Coke bottle glasses as I write it. Yeah, I'm I'm just happy we're still full sized and we didn't turn two feet tall for talking uh, such trash on that episode. You're right. It's like I, you don't realize because we're recording different like locations. I'm actually standing on my chair right now as I talk. Into yeah, the I, I guess yeah. technically I haven't seen you in person <laughs> since we recorded the last episode. So yeah, uh, it's, it's been tough, but I've made it. I've, I've made do. You know, so your clothes, your clothes fit, uh, everything. <laughs> I've I have problems grabbing pencils off of counters now. It's a song. I don't know if it's related to the episode, but you know that's that's it's my life now. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, this episode is a uh, hocus pocus and frisbee. We'll talk more about that in a second. It's uh, season three, episode thirty, uh, air date uh, uh, April thirteenth, nineteen sixty two. Um, so we'll talk about the episode in a second. But let's, we got to get we got to get the important stuff out of the way. Number one yeah. film. Um, it's called Experiment in Terror. This sounds like something that you would already own, but probably not. Um, a man with asthmatic with an asthmatic voice, asthmatic. I can't say it right. Uh, someone with the with the creepy voice telephones a bank clerk at home and co- coerces her into helping him steal a large sum from a bank. That's the film. Sounds very Hitchcockian. Yeah, um, you know I've I've always heard of this one. Never watched it, but. Uh, I think I own the soundtrack on vinyl hmm. by Henry Mancini. Well, then, it's a yeah. it's a real famous uh, theme to that movie. Um, if if you heard it, you'd probably recognize it. But I think I ended up buying the soundtrack at a thrift store for like twenty five cents or something. So I've I've never actually gotten around to seeing the film. I've always heard good things about it, but. Yeah, yeah, I just I Some, something, something I, I've actually heard of. It, I figured it was something that you knew about, and I I wasn't sure. The most recent film I've watched where someone had a weird voice like threatening people was New Year's Evil, and I just that's kind of made me not want to watch any movie with somebody with a weird voice threatening people. So, you know, <laughs> that that movie tends to have that effect on people. <laughs> that movie's after not good. They watch, uh, it is it is New not Year's good. Eve. Yeah. 
Um, so number one song is Johnny Angel by uh, Shelly. Uh, uh, oh, I, I looked up how to pronounce her her last name. Uh, uh, Faberas, Farbaras, Farbara. I, I'm going to mess it up. It's F-A-B-A-R-E-S. And um, she also, if I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show Coach with, uh, oh, oh uh, what's his name? Craig T. Nelson as the yeah. lead in that, uh, a.k.a. the bad guy in um, uh, Action Jackson. Uh, so she was the love interest. That's of right. Character. I was like, why did I just see Craig T. Nelson? <laughs> it was at your house watching, watching Action, Action Jackson. Jackson. And he's a great bad guy in that. But you no, know, but she's the love interest in Coach. So. She had like uh, some hits, like this was her biggest hit as like doing song, like singing or whatever. So she had a pretty big career in terms of like different things that she did. But everyone knows Johnny Angel. Like, I mean, you may not be familiar with a lot of pop music from this time, but I'm sure you've heard Johnny Angel. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, things that happen on this date, couldn't find anything of worth. However, a few days before on the 9th, here's some great sports history that I didn't know about. And we're all excited for this, but it's Cleveland based. So... The Cleveland Pipers defeated the Kansas City Steers 106 to 102 to win the first and only championship series in the American Basketball Basketball League. Cleveland had lost the first two games of the best of five series and then won the next two to force a final game, which took place at a small gymnasium at Kansas City's Rockhurst College because the city's arena wasn't available. That's the most Cleveland thing I've ever heard of. Uh, yeah. The Steers would be declared the champions of the 62-63 season because it, they had the best record and the league disbanded. So Cleveland, the Cleveland Pipers won the first season, but then the Steers would be declared the champion of the second season because the league fell apart, like <laughs> partway through the season. So, you know, bust out your Cleveland Pipers jerseys because, you know, there's only one ABL champion that won it legitimately, and it's Cleveland. So there you go. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That seems about right. We win a championship and then the whole league just falls apart. So, <laughs> yeah. So like, um, I, I know, so there, you know, with, with hockey, there's what you call the original six. Maybe you, you don't know about that, but they're like when the NHL was first, like officially founded, there were six teams. It was like the Rangers, Bruins, uh, Maple Leafs, uh, uh, what was it? Blackhawks, Red Wings, and, Oh, one other. And that's going to bug me. Anyway, uh, Montreal. Yeah. So that was the original six. Cleveland had a hockey team at the time called the Barons that were actually like badass and amazing. They felt they were too good for the NHL. So they didn't join it because they were that good. <laughs> like legitimately, they were that good. And they're like, this is never going to yeah. go anywhere. So they refused to join the NHL. They could have been one of the founding teams of the league, but they thought they were better than that. So this tells you how like, Cleveland, when they're good, they, you know, like they don't care about like, you know, they, they, it just feels like Cleveland sports always makes the wrong decision. And yeah. yeah. So anyway, go Pipers. That's well, we could, man, that sucks. We could have had an NHL team. Well, we, I mean, I, I love the monsters. I, so, I do enjoy. So the Cleveland, Cleveland did the have monsters. an NHL team in the seventies. So that that's actually, this is true. They had it for like a season or two. It was the Barons. They actually took the name the Barons. Oh, I did. Okay, yeah, I didn't know and, that. Actually, I've heard of the Barons. I didn't know they were actually NHL. Yeah, so they were here for like two seasons. But so like, um, it's this weird roundabout thing. So there was an expansion, um, in the sixties and seventies called the Next Six, and one of those teams was the Oakland Golden Seals. Um, and when they folded, uh, they ended up going to Cleveland for like a year or two. And, and then they ended up, um, I was then going to Dallas, no, sorry, Minnesota becoming the North stars, which eventually became the Dallas stars. So 
I know way too much about useless hockey knowledge, but they did have an NHL team for like two years. So it's true. And that's where the Barons name kind of has like floated around for a while because it was always associated with Cleveland. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Not yeah. that anybody cares. I just happen to know that. So, yeah. I just miss going to Lumberjacks games. <laughs> I, I have a Lumberjacks jersey. I'll have to show it to you sometime. It's oh, that's a- <laughs> awesome. Yeah. The IHL, like rest in peace. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, we were talking about basketball and then hockey and none of that has to do with the Twilight Zone. So like, anyway, like, uh- yeah. I feel like Cleveland sports has existed in a twilight zone of sorts for quite a long time. So maybe that's, that's our tie that's in. Fair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's fair. I'm out of my element right now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, maybe, maybe I'll have to show you my, my uh, lumberjack Jersey sometime and just wander around it. And people will be like, what's that? I'd be like, you don't know your history. And then like judge <laughs> them for things that really aren't important. That's, that's what I'll do. Yeah. That's what everyone else does. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway, that was your uh, day and date was uh, Johnny Angel and the Cleveland Pipers. So anyway. Very nice. So we'll jump into cast and crew here. This episode was, again, uh, directed by Lamont Johnson, who we just talked about last week on the episode uh, four o'clock. Um, what time was episode- that? What time? What time was that when evil was vanquished? What time? Uh, four o'clock. Paul. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> Not. All right. Continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. The uh, teleplay was written by Rod Serling. It was based on an unpublished treatment uh, yeah. story by Frederick Lewis Fox, who we previously discussed on the episode Showdown with Rance McGrew. I actually have like the 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 short bit that he wrote to Serling. It was a bit called Mr. Tibbs and the Flying Saucer. Um, it, it's not that much different than what actually showed up in the episode. It's just that basically whenever um showed up with Rance McGrew like appeared and was actually like put in production um this gentleman was like impressed and he was like how can I possibly live up to this and he actually wrote a couple other pitches to Serling and Serling liked this one so I don't know but you know just it it's not that much different other than Serling changed some of the names but like the punchline is still the same yeah so uh, we can thank Fred, Frederick Lewis Fox for this one, I guess. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, cast, we have Andy Devine, who plays Somerset Frisbee. So this is only Twilight Zone appearance. Uh, did some work for Disney. He was Friar Tuck in the Robin Hood film. He did some wonderful World of Disney uh, voiceover bits, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a long-running role on a few Western TV shows, which ended up him getting a gig hosting a TV show, a kids TV show called Andy's gang, which was very popular. Um, but he was also in stagecoach and man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah. I had those in my notes. So, um, here, here's what I have. What I found about him and his voice. Cause his voice is very distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, it was first thought that his peculiar wheezy voice would prevent him from moving to the talkies. That tells you how long he worked in the industry, but instead it became his, his trademark. Uh, divine claimed that his distinctive voice resulted from a childhood accident in which he fell while running with a curtain rod in his mouth at the Beale hotel in Kingman, causing the rod to pierce the roof of his mouth. That's oddly specific. Um, when he was able to speak again, he had a labored, scratchy duotone voice a biographer, however, indicated that this was one of several stories Divine fabricated about his voice. That seems oddly <laughs> fitting. Yeah, that's that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. 
But you know, your his voice is like when you like you hear him talk, it's like that sounds familiar. But like when you mentioned he was Friar Truck, Friar, Friar Tuck, my goodness, uh, and Robin Hood, it's like it, it makes sense. Like you, he has that. It's a very distinct voice. Yeah, and it, it, that's really the only thing that I could think that I'd recognize him from uh, was that mm. in his voice because the whole time he's he's almost got a little bit of a Slim Pickens voice going on a little as well. bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it had to have been that Robin Hood that I recognized him from. Uh, next up, we have Milton Seltzer, who plays the alien. He was in one other future episode of the Twilight Zone and uh, a lot of TV work. Couldn't really find anything uh, to bring up on him. Yeah, he was. <clears throat> this is his first of his two Twilight Zone appearances. He was in a, a movie in 78 called The Evil that um, I thought you might be familiar with. But that's a very uh, that's a very vague name for a horror film. The Evil. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> just general evil. Yeah. <laughs> the bad. I've heard of it. Never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have Howard McNear, who plays Mitchell, who is most well known for his role as Floyd on the Andy Griffith show. Um, I'm pretty far removed from watching any Andy Griffith. So I feel like whenever <laughs> we run into these uh, character actors that have long running roles, I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember him, I think. <laughs> yeah, like because he looks familiar to me, and I I kept getting like a Groucho Marx vibe, like watching him. But it's like it's it's Floyd the Barber. So, um, yeah. yeah so I so here's some um sad news about Floyd the Barber. I didn't know this. Uh, so he was cast as Floyd the Barber, uh, Floyd Loss on the Andy Griffith Show. During the show's run, he suffered a stroke that rendered his left side of his body paralyzed. So he left the series for about a year and a half to recover. Andy Griffith asked him to come back. Um, so he agreed despite being able, unable to walk or stand. So at, after that point, they accommodated him where most of the time you saw Floyd, he was always like seated or standing with the support. So, so there was a lot of times where it was just him standing or sitting. And so he did a lot of that. Uh, he was not being a barber. Like he was a barber, but he didn't seem cutting hair. And then he ended up leaving the series um, towards the end because he was having problems remembering his lines. And so it's like one of those things where watching this episode, it's not that far away from when that actually happened to him. So there's yeah. this weird moment of like, oh, you're like less than a year away from this thing that's going to destroy you. You know, like, I mean, obviously he still succeeded being this memorable character after, but there's kind of a darkness that you're just like, oh, come on. You know, like it's it's very frustrating and sad to see that he is not that far away from something terrible happening to him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, that's a downer. He that's, was, what, that's what I bring in. I, I bring in the downer moments, but yes, that's what happened. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was also in one other feature episode of the Twilight Zone. So we'll discuss Howard McNear one more time on the show. Yeah. Um, then we have Dabs Greer who plays Scanlon, uh, whatever kind of name that is. <laughs> Uh, he yeah. was in one other episode of Twilight Zone. He was also in one episode of Werewolf, which we just brought up last week. So I figure I should bring it up again. <laughs> I have not watched the <laughs> the first episode so now, yet. Now that Disney's bought Fox, like I want to believe that they're going to revive like Werewolf and be like, listen, this is the property that we spent seventy eight like billion dollars on. We're gonna we're gonna bring Werewolf back into prominence. I'm hoping. I just want I just want a Blu-ray box set. That's what I'm Blu-ray waiting for. box set. Then I'll watch it. I don't think there was even uh, a VHS box set released of Werewolf, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, do it so, up, Disney. Come on. Please. You know, you own <laughs> it now, right? So um, so I, I noted that he was actually in the Green Mile 
Uh, he was the 108 year old version of Tom Hanks's character in that film. So that's kind of oh. cool. Uh, uh, more importantly, he was in White Lightning with Burt Reynolds. Oh, nice. Uh, I know. I know. I brought that up when uh, on the show when Burt Reynolds passed away. Um, so, and I also want to mention that uh, he was in an episode of L.A. Law titled "On the Toad Again," where he played a character addicted to the high produced by licking the secretions of a toad. So, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Dabs Greer, everybody, licking toads and just living life. Yeah, he was also in uh, House Four. I don't know. The there was a fourth one of those. I thought there was I only two so. of them. I thought there was House and then House Two, the second story. I didn't realize there was multiple like sequels to House. Yeah, apparently there's a House Four, and oh. he was in it. So House Four, the guest house. It, it yeah. looks terrible, and I think it might have another title. Um, I think it was one of those movies where they just started throwing different series names on it just so they could uh, get the VHS to rent or sell house Four, the sublet. Like, uh... (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah. Deb's career was also in that. So what a career. Wonderful. What a life. What a life. Um, wow. I just wrote down for this next, uh, actor Clem. So uh, Clem Bevins, who plays Pete, <laughs> since it's only Twilight Zone appearance, and uh, he was also in Alfred Hitchcock's Saboteur. Yeah, like he actually played against type for that, so that was kind of interesting that they they cast him to be uh, was a Nazi spy or something. So yeah. that that was kind of cool. But he was actually a character actor. Surprise, surprise. Best remember for playing eccentric, grumpy old men. So perfect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He looks like a Clem, too. He does. He does. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two more uncredited roles here. We have Larry Brightman, who plays uh, another alien. He only had a few credits, but I figure I'd bring him up. And then we have Peter Bracco, who plays another uncredited alien. Uh, he actually had a lot of credits. I just kind of wrote down a few of them. Uh, he was in Spartacus, One who, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Throw Mama from the Train, uh, and... I think we may have talked about him back in the four of us are dying back yeah, in season one. That, he was in that. So maybe. Yeah. Know, yeah. And then uh, another Twilight Zone reference. He was in the movie. He was in the kick the can segment. Really? I didn't. I didn't pick yeah. up on that. That's cool. Yeah. But uh couldn't pick him out of this crowd. Like I, I assume he's got to be one of the two in the car. I swear I saw Robert McCord in like the 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 other aliens that were in the episode. I swear I saw him. But it's not. Yeah, it, it could have been. But uh, yeah, there's there's about five people um, that we'll get to in the plot that they flash really quick across and then you never see them again. So it, they're not even listed, even as uncredited in this. Yeah. Which I mean, with Robert McCord, you'd think that if his hand was in the thing that he would be listed. So anyway, so yeah. we yeah. got to go back and uh, solve that. We can submit it to IMDb. <laughs> we can raise yeah. that. uh that Twilight Zone number up for him. I, I, it would be great that we had this journey and that we'd become like a documentary about like, you know, representing Robert McCord, where it's like, no, he <laughs> needs, to, everybody needs to know that he's just not man sitting on steps eating apple. He was also turtleneck alien and spaceship, you know, like, so yeah. All right. Yeah. He wasn't in 
how many episodes was he in? Like yeah, he wasn't something. only in 32 episodes. He was, in he was actually yeah. in 33. I would love it if there was like a, like a 90 minute documentary about us being like, no, this is an injustice. And like, yeah. like McCord's like relatives are like, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, no, we need to right the wrongs of yeah. Robert McCord representation. So the final act uh, at the end of the final act, it would just be IMDb going like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be like a title card of being like, and after a year and a half of pestering, IMDb was like, okay, I guess. And that would, it would just fade to black. <laughs> with, with we'll those, put an uncredited role up on this man's with, IMDb page. With Sarah McLaughlin's I'll Remember You in a montage of all the Robert McCord images that we know from him. So yeah. that would be that would be perfect. I love it. The, just the back of his head 20 times and then a few quick... <laughs> Perfect. Let's just do it. We we could make bank. We need to sell this right now to a streaming service. That would be amazing. So, all right. <clears throat> Enough about cast and crew. Uh, let's just get to Serling uh, walking into a quaint Cracker Barrel type store and delivering his intro. Let's do it. The reluctant gentleman with the sizable mouth is Mr. Frisbee. He has all the drive of a broken camshaft and the aggressive vinegar of a corpse. As you've no doubt gathered, his big stock in trade is the tall tail. Now, what he doesn't know is that the visitors out front are a very special breed, destined to change his life beyond anything even his fertile imagination could manufacture. The place is Pitchville Flats. The time is the present. But Mr. Frisbee's on the first leg of a rather fanciful journey into the place we call the Twilight Zone. Yeah, so um, I have questions about Sterling's entrance into this episode, but let's just get to the beginning part before we talk about his walking into the store. Yeah. So we open up on uh, Frisbee's general store and you see uh, Frisbee sitting around with a, a few gentlemen in the store uh, playing the harmonica and telling a bunch of ridiculous stories about the war among and amongst other things. Yeah. Like the moment I saw that this was a general store and just a bunch of old guys sitting around, I'm like, oh. I feel like we've seen this like seven times in the series. And I feel like, well, because there was like that big central bit in uh, the last rights of Jeff Myrtle bank, where it was just a bunch of dudes at a general store being angry and upset about stuff. And I'm like, are we back to this again? That's yeah. what it felt like. It was frustrating. I'm like, Oh no, here we go again. But it's like, so you get him like telling his big thing about like his war efforts, which is it world war two that he's talking about. I think it's world war two, right? It has to be. And, yeah, uh, you know. maybe World War One because uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, it would it would probably be World War Two because would be him, about twenty years possibly the, past the, the Ottoman Empire. I don't know, but uh, so he's like, just, yeah. like <laughs> him just talking about it, and like the, like you have Floyd the Barber, which by the way I didn't realize there's a controversy that people are like he's playing his character from the show. It's like no, he's not. It's just he's here in the store. There's this whole theory that he's like Floyd in this, but whatever. Um, so he's listening and there's another guy there listening. And then there's the older gentleman who is just trying to shop in the store. And as much as the joke is kind of bad, I kind of like it whenever after Frisbee's telling his story, the older gentleman's like horseradish. And he's like, what? And he's like, where's your horseradish? And he's like, oh, it's over there. So it was kind of a nice joke of like him, like the double, like the double meaning of him calling him out, but also looking for an object. I, I like that. But yeah, there's a few quick witty moments like there's a scene where um, one of the guys says like, oh, yeah, if he's if he's telling the truth about these things, then I'm President Johnson. And uh, real quick, 
Frisbee looks over. What's that, Lyndon? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He's, he's, there's, there's a few things that kind of made me chuckle, but the scene just goes on way too long. Yes. Like, he, he's likable enough. And, like, but it, they drive this point home, you know, that he's just sitting around. It, he's a recognizable character. He's somebody that you would expect to run into in one of these towns or in a store like this. So, being as he's like a walking cliche, they spend way too much time uh, setting yeah. <laughs> setting the place for this uh, for this episode, and it, you know it's it's lovable and kind of fun for a minute, but then it goes from tall tale to tall tale to tall tale, lie after lie after lie, and he just does not stop talking. That I'm, I immediately am put off from this episode. <laughs> Like well, right bit, off the bat, there's a bit and where, here we where, go um, where I, not not the old man and not Floyd the barber. There's a third guy there, and whenever uh, he says, uh, he's like, I gotta I gotta call you out on this, and he's like, you doubting my word? He's like, we can start with that. Like I thought that was a good line where he's like, we'll start with your like your like statement of what's going on, and they had the question about like him going from Paris to Berlin in like an hour or something, and it's like he. So you get the idea that Frisbee is like, he gets called out on it. He's like, no, 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 That was yeah, like the a, year there's before. There's a point where he has conflicting stories on yeah. timelines where they're like, oh, you said you were in the uh, balloon regiment or whatever during yeah. the war. And he's like, well, well, I was. I also did that, you know. Yeah. It, it, they have no qualms about calling him out on these things. So the two things, oh, sorry, there's three things I wrote here. One. 2157 to go is what I wrote. (laughs) 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 And then I wrote, um, at least Lamont Johnson's camera movements, like him working with camera guy, bring a little bit like some kind of dynamic movement to him as we have, uh, Andy divine telling his stories as uh, Frisbee. Like that's a little interest there. And then I also wrote here, um, Frisbee's eyebrows are as high as his tall tails is what I wrote. So I just want (laughs) to point that out that, uh, that guy had some eyebrows that were, um, kind of scary like almost like you know the hedge monsters and the shining like they're they're going to get you so yeah but yeah yeah and as he's telling these stories there's a lot of uh words that he's mispronouncing or just flat out using the oh, wrong word that pissed me off i don't know about you but i'm just like Ugh! you know like like what was it he said like infilabuating or something like that it's like great uh, Inf- yeah. infilating, infilating instead of like uh, infiltrating i'm assuming he was yeah. trying to say or something but like yeah it's just uh, again it's like just nailing that point home Ugh. yeah it was and it's just yeah. it's it's obnoxious um but yeah so he's got these war stories that he's telling and they're calling him out on it and the, the topic gets on weather and he says he wrote a thesis on meteorology at like 13 and everything yeah. and so it, again like here we go on another story and so, and, and not not to put a point on it, but every so often, like he tells these stories, he's like, yeah, "That's why they call me so and so frisbee." It's like, yeah, so old cumulus frisbee, yeah, or uh, yeah, yeah it's a, or or old lying out my ass frisbee or whatever he says next, something <laughs> yeah. to that effect. Yeah, yeah, and then he tells the story of how he beat a bunch of computers at math <laughs> and all this. Stuff. It's just it's ridiculous. Though I do like, uh, so I I believe it's a guy Clem. I forget it, Pete the character the old man walking around shopping when he finally finishes shopping he goes up there he's like you gonna ring me out for this or should i just do it myself he's like ah just write it down i've had a long day (laughs) 
was the first time I watched this. I was confused. I'm like, does that guy work there? Yeah, right. Or is he shopping? Because uh, he just goes behind the counter. Yeah, because and- Clem's just wandering around. He's like the one guy that actually needs like goods and services in the episode. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to leave now and just write this on like an IOU. Yeah. 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 So at that point, you hear a horn honking outside. So uh, Frisbee's got to get up and actually do some work. <laughs> so as he leaves the, the store, there's a cut. And then you have Rod Serling walking in, giving his intro. Yes. And I have a question about that. So because uh, Frisbee leaves. But however, um, there's like three men still in the store, technically, as Rod walks in to give his intro. So. Is he talking to the guys inside? Like, I feel like there's this whole thing where he's talking to Floyd the barber, uh, not the old guy, and then the old guy, where they're like, who the hell are you, and why are you talking to us? Like, it just felt really... He just slowly backs out after his <laughs> intro. Doesn't say anything else. I would love it. I would have loved it if they'd been like, I don't know who this is. You know, they would have been amazing. But, like, I, I, I don't mind. Like, this is, this is a fun intro where he just walks in to the store and starts talking, but it's like context is you didn't see the other three leave that's that's the part that gets me they're like yeah. they're held hostage by serling as he's just talking so i i enjoyed it but it's like i have questions yeah so when uh first movie goes outside there is a convertible out there and there's two men in suits that are asking for his help to pump gas uh just because they say they're not familiar with this rear engine automobile so, of course, Frisbee makes up this whole story that uh, he was the inventor of the rear engine automobile that uh, they called him rear engine Frisbee, <sighs> whatever it yeah. was. And so, again, more stories, uh, more of the same. So he finally does that, puts some oil in it and charges them a buck 80 where they proceed to give him a $10 bill. Yeah. And he gets very confused, asks if they're from around there because apparently he's never seen $10 before. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So he's telling them he thinks it's going to rain and again goes back into the story about how he can he knows everything about weather uh, more of the same. <laughs> just, well, and that's where I, the intro to the show was the one guy whispering to the other. He's like, oh, he, he knows everything. He's done all this stuff. And it's like, so you yeah. get the idea like they're enamored with him and he isn't reading the room properly, so to speak. And he just, just rambles on about like, you know, all the stuff. There's the whole bit. Like, I love that when he walks out, he's like, why didn't you pour your own gas? It's like, you're the laziest business owner ever. Like, let's just like, let's just say that right now. And so then whenever they go to like question him about like how to put gas in the car, he's like, Oh, I know. I know. I made this car. It's like, all right, just calm down. But like, these guys are like completely like they're like, this is, he, the way he presents himself that he knows like everything about everything and he's a target and you get the notion that these guys are looking for him specifically. Yeah. So they end up leaving, uh, given telling him that they'll probably see him again. It's a little foreshadowing there. Um, he goes back in and they all decide that they're going to close up the store and leave. Yeah. So after after goes, Rod comes and talks to them, they're like, we got to get out of here. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah they're like yeah. some weird guy was just in here talking about you. I don't know. <laughs> Did you notice in the scoring at that point, there was a harmonica. Like I thought that was actually kind of a nice. Like, yeah. I, uh, I wanted yeah. to bring that up. Uh, yeah. The music in this episode was done by Tommy Morgan, uh, who actually, um, from what I saw, he performed with a ton of, of uh, musicians. I'm trying to find the list. 
I actually had a list of all the people that he performed with, and now I lost it. <laughs> I had it queued up, but I know he he performed with like Elvis, a uh, bunch of huge acts of that time. Um, oh man, it's gone. I'll see if I can find it while we're talking. But um, yeah, he was the one that actually provided. Here it is. Yeah, um, yeah, Elvis, the Beach Boys, Johnny Cash, Randy Newman, Ray Charles. Like he performed with a ton of people, and oh, he was wow. the one that did all the harmonica work on this episode. Oh, that's fair. Like I just, it was a nice foreshadowing because like there was earlier when he when um when Frisbee was in the store and he was telling the story about how like you know whatever he won World War One by himself or whatever and he would just play the harmonica. The guy's <laughs> like, "Will you ever learn how to play this?" It's like, I, I guess I guess the harmonica. It's like there is a low bar for entry where it's like if you just blow into it and just run it across your mouth, suddenly you're a harmonica player, you know. But you know, yeah, yeah. But it's also like one of the most difficult instruments. To, to play, play well. well yeah yeah that's absolutely. that's the crazy thing about that like yeah you could you can play a chord just by holding it up to your mouth and blowing in it but um yeah it's 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 a very difficult instrument and frisbee does not have it but the, the scoring though there was a nice foreshadowing with the harmonica in there so i, I just wanted uh, of of the positives of this episode which there are a few i wanted to mention that so yeah yeah so shout out to tommy morgan yeah um so as he, as Frisbee's closing up the store, he's turning the lights out. He's bringing in some of the stuff that's outside. And this disembodied voice starts speaking to him. Yeah. Telling him that if he heads east down the road about 200 yards, <laughs> he'll have quite an adventure. So <laughs> immediately he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm OK. So it starts it calling him out and saying, like, what, what are you scared? And he goes into more war stories and everything about how they called him old Stonewall Frisbee back in the war and uh, he's not scared of anything. So the voice finally convinces him to go. So he goes outside to go finish cleaning up the last of it. And it tells him like, Oh, you won't need to do that. You won't be coming back and uh, proceeds to levitate him and fly him away, <laughs> yeah. which is hysterical uh, because he makes this like, Wee! as he takes off into the air. And I'm going to note that there was 12, 12, 11 to go in the episode at that point. So I just want to mention that. Uh, <laughs> Thanks and, for keeping us up on the runtime. <laughs> oh, there. oh, I did. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I watch this on my Roku and all you got to do is hit like the up button to see the runtime on it. <laughs> I I think I did about four times this episode. Yeah. So the, the, um, the promotional image that they would actually put out for like the media at this point was him in the air kind of floating like um, like. Mario and Super Mario Three when he has his hands out like his, you know what I'm talking it, it, it's he right, right? looks like Super Mario yeah, a little too. bit like he doesn't have he doesn't have the like an elderly Super Mario <laughs> yeah it's 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 Mario's grandfather but he has his hands out and it's like kind of how he would be like flying in Super Mario Three it's like so I I want to mention now that of of the three books that I have um so I have like two reference books for the Twilight Zone. Then I have that Twilight Zone encyclopedia. Two of the three books only had one line of opinion about the episode. Like this is so forgettable, but each one of them had the still image of him with his hands out like to represent. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to mention that for a second. Cause it's so fast. It's like, it is so ridiculous that it's worth mentioning. It's just like, Oh, disembodied voices. Like you're not going to be around to clean up your stuff. Zip. 
and gone. You know, like <laughs> it is so. It comes out of nowhere, and it's so funny though. <laughs> like funny, haha, or funny, like what is going on? Uh, like, both. I, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. No, it, just his reaction uh, it, is funny, haha, but it it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, like if someone like a detached voice was like, "Hey, you should walk down the road," I'd be like, "I'm good," you know. But he does yeah. it anyway, so yeah. Yeah, I'm actually just gonna lock this front door. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and I'm he, gonna head west. Yeah, so he ends up like being zipped away to this UFO, and I um, and so I kind of like uh, I, uh, this is a backhanded compliment because he was just like rambling about like, oh, this UFO I'm looking at, it's not nearly as great as the one that I designed for the U.S. government. It's like, just shut up. And but I also appreciate it's kind of a defensive mechanism for him where it's like. Oh, this is an amazing thing. Yeah, it's not as cool as the thing I'm going to tell you about right now. Like, he still needs to position himself as being the most important person of anything, like yeah. of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So as yeah. as he's down there doing that, the uh, stairs open, and you see the two aliens. Well, now we find out that they're aliens. The two guys <laughs> that were in the convertible earlier, plus another person inside of it and you get uh we were talking about before we started recording uh probably the best image of the show the inside the interior of this yeah I, I will share that eventually on the facebook because like as much as i was not happy with this episode spoiler i ended up taking like like eight or nine like screen caps from the episode itself because they're so weird on their own that they're worth like posting, but I don't, I don't normally take that many screen captures. So the interior of this UFO that has like a see-through ceiling, I don't know what's going on there, but it's a pretty cool place to be. So I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So Frisbee thinks initially that this is just like a movie prop. Yeah. And they're just promoting some sort of new sci-fi film. I, I'll give them, coming to theater. I will give the episode credit for him calling that out because the, the, the spinny globe thing that you see in the foreground was like what from this Island earth or one of the ones that that's always used all the time, but it's been used yeah. in um, other episodes of the twilight zone. So I like the, him saying, he's like, this is just a movie prop. It's like, it is like, so I appreciate him, you know, calling a spade a spade. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so you find out that they've uh, they brought him there because he is the smartest man on earth, and that they need somebody who can create some sort of liquid propellant for their vehicle. So they're going to bring him back to, uh, I assume Venus. I think at one point they mentioned uh, Venusian aliens. So I I would say that's probably from Venus. Um, they're going to bring him back there, and he's going to be a scientist for them. To help them develop these things. So, of course, he's like, yeah, I know. I know all about the liquid propellant. They used to call me old liquid liquid propellant uh, Frisbee back <laughs> in the day. Um, but when he finds out that they're actually holding him prisoner and that he's not allowed to leave and that they don't realize that he is full of like <laughs> full of it, he um, he starts to realize like, Oh, maybe I should tell them that I actually don't know anything. So he finally comes clean. Um, and it tells him he's just an old country boy with a big mouth and that he's, he's lying about all this, but it turns out that these aliens don't understand what lies are. So yes. they take everything at face value. Yeah. That, um, that seems like a fatal flaw, like in everything. So, 
Yeah, that that's um, the. <laughs> so I like how well spoken and eloquent all the aliens are, but the word "lie" is alien to them. That seems a bit weird to me, but whatever. Like it, it's it like this episode is leading to the comedy, so like I get it. I'm not gonna. I can't just, I can't judge it, but it's like, oh, that doesn't make sense because there's aliens and UFOs and whatever. But it just seems like this society that has figured out like fashion, like travel, they're like, we don't understand the word lie. You're okay, cool. So nobody in your society's yeah. ever misrepresented themselves ever in any instance at all. Very, they're very truthful. Well, yeah. It's, it's, uh, Again, we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy before we started recording. It's like Drax not understanding. Uh, <laughs> like metaphor. He's like, yeah, it'll yeah. go over his head. It's like, it will not go over my head. I will jump up and catch it. You know? did yeah, you, so did you... <laughs> it's similar to that. They just don't understand this one concept um, of lying. Have you seen the Ricky Gervais film, The Invention of Lying? Have you seen that? I don't know if you've no, have. No, I haven't. It's three quarters of it a great film, but then it kind of falls apart in the end. But it's like this whole, the whole thing is the idea that like uh, the idea of lying never occurred to anybody until Ricky Gervais's character, like he decides to like lie. And, and then because he's the only one that can lie, everybody believes everything he says. And there's this whole thing where you see um, like billboards like or, or advertisement side of buses where it's like Pepsi when you can't have Coke. Like you see all this stuff like in like they do these like these films that are all like documentaries about like the time and place and they're very literal. And it's like it's it's a really it's a really funny movie up until the point where it, like it's kind of it, it doesn't kind of stick the landing. But I like the whole thing of like everybody is like truthful the entire time. And he's the one guy that realizes that you don't have to be that way and you can get what you want. Cause he tells some woman on the street, he's like, did you know the world's going to end in like 24 hours? She's like, Oh no. He's like, yeah, we should probably have sex. She's like, absolutely. Like it's just this whole, like the movie's worth it, but it kind of explores this idea where like everything you say, they take it at face value. And this is what these aliens are. Yeah, that's what that's what Venus is like apparently. Uh, so yeah, the, the 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 invention of lying is I think is worth watching. It's not the greatest film, but it, it it's a good time. Nice. Yeah, I'll check that out. So yeah, it, as he's realizing that he's kind of stuck here, he <laughs> he finally punches the one main alien in the face. Yeah. Then you get kind of the I would say this is the better twist of the episode. Uh, the face cracks off. Yes. Revealing almost like a hardened lizard face underneath it. I, I don't even want to say lizard. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. It's weird. It's a, it's kind of like this weird, like, I don't know, like, well, I'll, I'll post that there, there's, there's definitely, I have an image of the face punch and it's like, it is this weird. Um, it's not, I don't know. It's alien, but it, it's like this, like reptilian smiley face. I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's kind of odd. Yeah. And it know. doesn't really have a mouth. Yeah. But when I, they when they speak, nothing really moves except for you can see like their jaw moving underneath the prosthetic or their <laughs> eyes clearly behind yeah. the mask. I I yeah. do like that they give him the option of eating supper now or later. <laughs> yeah, because that's his big thing is he wants to make it home for supper, and they're like, oh, there's you won't be going home for supper. You're you're gonna have it here. <laughs> you can have supper now, or you can have it on our alien home world. He's like, oh, I sure, yeah. yeah. 
yeah. Venus doesn't sound terrible. Like uh, they they tell him that he's gonna have somebody sing for him that can sing in multiple uh, keys at the same time or something. Or, yeah, uh, some, something from the Fifth Element. Yeah, it's fine. You know, yeah, it's, and yeah. Uh, accompanies himself with his own tail. Yeah, I, I don't know if the tail's an instrument but, but, or just for <laughs> percussion. I just imagine somebody slapping a tail on the ground, <laughs> singing like horrible sounds, just keeping time. The entire yeah, day. just in the background, like oh, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> These um, Venusians, the Venusians beautiful can, music. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, they're they're just they're 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 they just they're known tail slappers. But I also like that he was like, "Are are the women like you?" Like his first question is like, "Do they look different?" And you know, you know, the implication is, "Can I sex them?" And he's like, "Oh, whatever." Like he talks about them, and like these like it's this whole thing. And they're like, "Oh no, you'll be taken care of or whatever," and it's fine. But like. It's weird, and then also like um, I like that uh, they he's like, well, can I relax myself? They're like, sure, whatever, and he busts out the harmonica, and there is a um, really fun reaction to these aliens to the harmonica. I guess fun is a word for it. <laughs> well, it's kind of like they they overact so badly, but it's fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So as he plays it, they are. Just basically incapacitated <laughs> and uh, they're falling all over the, the ship. They can't <laughs> but, do anything. But not Throwing... just the fall. It is a like stunned hands in the air and then tip over is what that is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they eventually let him escape because he has this fantastic instrument that lets out the death sound. <laughs> the death sound. Which you know what? <laughs> I would agree the harmonica is a death sound, so that's fair. Hey, yeah. I like harmonicas. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, also, I mean, yeah, that's, I, that's a instrument that can play multiple notes at the same time, much like the Venusian singer. That's fair. So they should like it. But I, I forgot to mention, like when he was like looking at the aliens' faces, he said, "You know, you guys look kind of weird, and weirder than the one time I was on a four-day uh, binge on the corn jug." Is what he said. I don't know if you caught that. I did. I did catch it. <laughs> so he's drinking what? What corn? Corn whiskey or whatever? Corn vodka? That's I don't know what it was. But he was on a four day four day binge and saw like equivalent to these guys. Good on yeah, him. I've I've never been that drunk. I hope I never get that drunk. No, like I mean, have you? You've had Everclear, right? Like you've had like straight up like this is like the worst like moonshine or whatever like yeah had, unfortunately yeah it's never made me see aliens like i i mean i you know i've questioned my actions but not reality like let's just be yeah, honest it, it's know. made me see the uh inside of a toilet bowl <laughs> that's what <laughs> a venusian toilet bowl i don't know <laughs> yes yeah i don't know yeah so anyway there's no one slapping their tail around next to me i, I can tell you that <laughs> So yeah, so he plays his harmonica and it stuns all of them and he runs out of the UFO and I'm like, okay, that's, I guess as a thing that works okay. And then he just, you it, know, it's kind of like Mars attacks, right? Um, With the country music, uh, killing the aliens here, here is an admission. I have never seen Mars, Mars attacks. Oh yeah. We've, we've gotten into this before because yeah. we were talking, I, I was uh, supposed to go see it in, in the theater because the, the Cleveland cinemas was showing and I didn't get to it. So I have not seen Mars attacks. It's worth it's worth checking out. It's got a hell of a cast. I mean, it, it's definitely far from a perfect film, but I think you'd enjoy it. Um, Is it better than it, this? I, th I think I'd probably enjoy it. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. It's it's better in this episode. <laughs> definitely. 
But there's a whole thing. There's the country music that kills the aliens in that. (laughs) So it's it's not too far off. And it takes place like a lot of it takes place out in like a rural countryside. I mean, it also takes place in Washington, D.C. and Las Vegas and all over the place. But um, is it is it specific country music or like, you know, like just general country music? Because I will argue that like there is good country music and then there is garbage country music. So, yeah, um, well, this here we go again. Um, It was Slim Whitman. I got it this time because this is our conversation last time when I was trying to remember who sang the song. We couldn't remember it. And I think loyal listener Nick finally uh, messaged us on Facebook. It was like it was Slim Whitman. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, when I'm calling you song. Oh, so whenever he hits that high note um, on the you in it, all well, the aliens head start exploding. Oh, so they it, that note has to be very similar than uh, t- to Andy Devine's voice. Right. It has to be that like, you know, ooh, whatever noise yeah. that he makes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is, that so, is terrible. A defiance the witness statement, but it has to be that kind of ragged do tone that both of these guys have. Yeah. So I, I'm curious if maybe they uh, pulled some of that from this, <laughs> from this episode. Yeah, maybe in the harmonica, which, you know, spoiler, you're going to hear that later at the end of the episode. It's going to be terrible. So whatever. Um, so yeah, so he runs away from the UFO, which is the right decision, you know, and he ends up going back to the store, which by the way, did he lock it up? Because I feel like he didn't lock it because everybody in the town is hiding. Well, no, in the he store. couldn't. Cause he got, he got flown into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> he never yeah. got to close up the store. No, he did not. So yeah. 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 So everyone in town is inside, as you mentioned, and they're throwing a surprise party for him for his birthday. They, yeah. Yeah, and they present him an award for world's greatest liar. And apparently they all love him now. Yeah. But then he starts to tell like what happened to him and no one believes him, which is like the big twist, right? So Yeah, the big twist. Uh, you know, and it's like, oh, they're like, Oh, you're just so silly, you know, Mr. Frisbee, whatever. And it's like I I just like I get it, but I don't get it at the same time. It's like it's very frustrating where it's like, you know he's a liar. But you like that? Like, I don't know how you reward that. And the, it, it, I wouldn't be so upset. Like, if they were more enamored or just like kind of, I don't know, having fun with him earlier in the episode, I would see it. But they all legitimately seem kind of annoyed with him <laughs> in the first part of this episode. <laughs> and then to come back and be like, oh, we love it. Yeah. Oh, it was it was just weird. But I mean this was this was a twist that you could see coming a mile away. It's the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Like, like I mean, it's just he, it like you knew he was gonna go back and tell everyone in town and they were weren't gonna believe him. Yeah. He lied about everything else. <laughs> like it, it just it, it was such a I, I don't want to say terrible ending, but predictable and just uninteresting. Yeah. So that that's it. Like he uh he is known as a liar. And I, so like the only thing I can justify this is that at this time, having someone be creative and tell stories was like interesting. And you're like, you would forgive it because it's like, at least it's interesting. I feel like there's something to be said there, but at the same time, it's more like if you had this guy who maybe he told all the kids in town about the time that something happened, you would forgive that more. But if he's just going to sit there amongst adults and be like, oh, there was a time I was part of the balloon brigade. And then like, uh, like we took from, we went to Berlin and Paris in an hour. 
Like, I don't feel like it may be like, you know what? He's trying to entertain us. We will forgive him. I think it's more like you didn't do any of this whatsoever. Like I just, there's something to be said for someone to tell tall tales and, and everybody knows that he's telling a tall tale and have fun with it. Versus I feel like until he was confronted with the reality that there was aliens that were calling him out on his shit, he would have went on telling everybody that he did everything, you know? And it's very, I don't know if it's, it's not earned. That's frustrating no. about this. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's really earned in this episode. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just <laughs> doesn't have any, anything interesting to say on a show where, you know, how many times we see an episode and we're like, this is still relevant. This is amazing. You know, like whether or not we enjoy the episode, it's like, like last week's, you know, we didn't necessarily, it, well, <laughs> you definitely didn't like it. I didn't necessarily oh, no, love no, no, the no. episode, yeah. but, um, like it, it was relevant and there were things that you could kind of place it in today's, uh, society and everything and make some sense out of it. And, um, it was interesting. Whereas this, it just, it really had nothing to say outside of just retelling a classic story of boy who cried wolf. Well, I mean, I would argue that like day and date with what's going on now, that if someone speaks with confidence and they don't like, there is a lot of bullshit that goes on where like, well, that's what happened. Even there's like empirical evidence that didn't, that people believe like the charming individual, you know? So there's some truth there. Like, but yeah, it's, it's not so much like boy who cried wolf now. Is it just like, when there, <laughs> when there are so many lies, it 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 almost becomes okay, <laughs> and it, it's like, well, that's not as bad as like something else, you know. I, I like, guess, could be but I don't know. It's just, I, like I I had a feeling that like uh like when we've been talking about season three and like our 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 favorites and like the bottom five, just after watching this, I, I just I felt like this was going to annoy you more than me, like, and I don't know how how you land on this because I feel like. Anytime there's like the attempt at comedy and it's kind of like, you know, sure. And like, I, I can't blame Andy divine because this is what was written for him. And this is what he's known for. I just, it just, it, it really annoyed me watching yeah. this. Like, and I don't know how you feel about it ultimately, but it really bugged me. Yeah. Well, the first time I watched it, I was uh kind of scatterbrained dog was barking. I kept having to go back, rewind it. So uh, with the dialogue being kind of annoying and just them driving all the points home over and over again, I was, I was getting real frustrated. Uh, so I, I went back to watch it a second time just so I could see if maybe I was just in a really bad mood when I first initially <laughs> sat down. Yeah. Um, but it was still just as frustrating, maybe not, not as bad as the first time, but it's, it's really forgettable. Yeah. There's a, it, it, there's so much of the dialogue and so much of his storytelling in this. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about Frisbee's dialogue, not the storytelling of the show. Um, just him sitting around telling the stories where I just kept zoning out on the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, you know, there, there are a few moments we kind of talked about some, how fast, like some of the jokes came in the beginning of this episode and everything. And like, it just, it wasn't enough to save it. Yeah. So I will, I will, I, I, I told, um, 
Kevin about this before we started recording that one, I forgot about this episode when I was like driving to work like on Monday and I'm like, what are we talking about? I'm like, Oh, this one, like I, it had left my memory like after four o'clock, which drove me nuts. And I know, you know, you can judge me for my reaction to it. And I'm like, maybe this one, maybe, cause I think I'm a little bit more forgivable of the comedy based episodes than Kevin is, but this one just didn't avoid me. So, um, I will say that I watched it. And then when I went to go back to do the recording for, the, the Sterling bit and the intro and the outro, um, I was dragging my feet. So I will say it's amazing how much housework I got done that morning <laughs> before I went and watched the second time. Like I, like I vacuumed, I did the dishes. Like I, like I was doing everything in my power physically to watch this episode a second time. So is, is it the worst episode of Twilight Zone we've seen? no. But it leans into its lazier and more annoying tendencies. That's what I'll say about that. So it's like, it's even the worst episode of Twilight Zone, which was last week, um, was uh, still not as bad as other things I've seen. I I, I will say that. But like, man, it, it, this I'm in a stretch right now where I'm frustrated watching the series. And it doesn't make me give up because our goal is to watch all of these and review yeah. them. Um, but man, give me more. Just give me something. Make me believe again. And I feel like we had that in the first part of season three and we just hit the skid and it's very frustrating. Yeah. And I was really hoping when he punched the aliens, uh, human skin off, I I was really excited. This was going to take a turn into something a little bit more interesting, but nope. 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 It really has no impact (laughs) on the episode. Yeah. Outside of kind of a few cool visuals yeah. during that scene. That, yeah. That's probably the nicest thing I can say about this is that it, it looked good. Yeah. So that's all I have for this. Other than, like I said, two of the three books I have, I was like, oh, this episode happened. And there's a, f- a photo of Andy <laughs> Devine floating in the air. And he's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on right now. Like, you know, like that's, that's my Andy divine, like dual tone impression where he's like, did I tell you about the time that I was in the twilight zone and it was weird? Like, yeah, I don't got anything like, like I, I'm not blaming Andy divine because he leaned into what he's known for. Like, and they, they, they gave him the role. He did what he did. Like, I'm going to put this again at Sterling's feet. Like, he could have done something with this, and eh, he didn't stick the landing. So, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, Lamont Johnson, he's been so hit or miss. Uh, We have one more, I think it's next season uh, with him. Or maybe, yeah, it's got to be next season. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, The Shelter, we both liked. We yes. both loved five characters in search of an exit. Yes. Nothing in the dark was great. One more Paul bear looked amazing. Um, <laughs> kick, kick the can was great. It was, yeah, it was uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got four o'clock and hocus pocus and Frisbee. It's just like, it, it's, it's all over the place, but I mean, I, I guess I got to give him credit though. Uh, none of them visually have looked bad. So, no. But again, it makes me miss Douglas Copeland. That's why I'll say, like, I just wish Douglas would... Hayes, Douglas yeah. Hayes, Douglas Copeland's an author. Douglas Hayes is. Yeah. That's why I was yeah. like, <laughs> I am so sorry. Like I was referencing, uh, the author, not the, not the director. So yes, yes, you're right. So yeah, I, it just feels like it, 
like he had a good director, but sometimes like they would pick people that they knew could handle certain material. Well, I feel like they just give Lamont Johnson anything. They're like, Hey, you want to do this one? Yeah. I need a job. (laughs) I kind of, I kind of put him in the same bucket as like Buzz Kulik, where it's like, he is serviceable and he can rise to the material, but if it's not good, like, like not good, not good. is not the right word, but like eh, mediocre is probably the right word. Like, this one, it just frustrates me because, like, there could have been, like, this could have been a lot more fun. And, like, it was it was okay enough with the resolution, like, for what happened. But, my God, like, th- this one just, like, frustrated me watching it over and over again. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- this is really forgettable. That's probably the worst thing you can say about something. Yeah. You know, as much as you hated four o'clock, you'll probably never forget it. Or the no, premise. no, 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 no. Like this one. Like, okay, so I'll, I'll just say this now. As much as I did not like this episode, it felt more in line with the Twilight Zone of like a liar who is a liar and knows a liar that no one believes this fantastic things he went on. Okay, I can get behind that. Like this was this was okay, but it wasn't great. So I, I like. I was annoyed by this, but I kind of get the hook and the like four o'clock just pissed me off. This one was more like, yeah, eh. and that's fair that. enough. Yeah. So fair yeah. enough. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I got nothing else to say <laughs> yeah. about this one. Right. I think so, we've, uh, exhausted this episode. <laughs> all right. So let's, uh, let's just read the twist. I'm giving it a two that the, like him, like, like talking all the shit the entire time. And at the one time something happens to him, that's real. No one believes him. That kind of seems obvious. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll bump it up to a two. I was going to give it a one. I was going to be harsh on the twist just cause you could see it coming a mile away. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I like the reveal of the aliens. So if I kind of bump that into the, the grand scheme of like the twists at the end. Um, I'll bump it up to a two as well. Fair enough. All right. But so at least, it, at least it has an ending, right? That's true. It does have an ending. So, yeah, so fair, congratulations. You have an ending. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, um, before we get to the next episode and, uh, we have some feedback from uh, a listener, uh, people, how can you get a hold of us? So Kevin, how can people find us on, uh, things? Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can find us, reach out to us on there, join the conversation. You can email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com or leave us voicemails on there. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Satchel, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there. Um, it would really help us out if you go on to whatever platform you get us from and rate and review us. Yeah, and also we have a Patreon, so I just want to mention that. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe I'm. I got my usual uh, spiel at the end there. Um, yeah, uh, why don't you give them the uh, info on the Patreon? Oh, oh no, oh no. Um, so it's it is um, patreon.com slash strange highways. I believe I could be wrong. It's probably right. You you. So there is the the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone that's coming up uh, in April. So and his new film Us is coming out like this week. So uh, if you guys are like Jordan Peele, you should be excited for his new uh, like Twilight Zone that's coming out. 
we will be covering it. However, we're going to do the episode for everybody to check out our commentary, but we're going to, because it is double work. We're covering Sterling and Jordan Peele. Uh, you should check us out at patreon.com slash strange highways. Um, the, as little as a dollar, like, you know, support us. You'll have access to like all the cool Patreon stuff. Uh, we have other tiers you check out. Like you could uh, like make us um, like re- review a anthology thing, or you can have us, you can, ha- you yourself could be on an episode to uh, talk about an anthology film. So check us out at Patreon um, and support us because we're going to be spending more money to watch the new Twilight Zone and talk about it. So, yeah, that's a thing you should do. So do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to cover the new season. It just, uh, like I said, it is going to be a lot of work. It's basically doing double show prep, double yes, notes and yes, everything. Yes. Uh, a double recording time. Uh, more hosting everything. So um, we kept the the bar to entry on um, on the Patreon to get these episodes real low. So yeah, it's, one, it's one as dollar. low as a dollar. One dollar. Yeah. One dollar a month if you like what we're doing. It's, um, uh, it's pop Robo- on there and you'll be able to get the Jordan Peele episodes. <laughs> it's RoboCop levels of one dollar. Like I'd buy that for a dollar. So give us a dollar and then you can listen to us talk about Serling and Jordan Peele's like revival of the twilight zone. So yeah. But yeah, the, the main show will always be free. Yes. Uh, we promise that, but, uh, just trying to do something fun and, uh, we can't screw up. The main reason we needed another platform for the note, the new series is that, uh, we didn't want to screw up the show numbering <laughs> and in the feed. So, uh, this is a good way to kind of separate the two and, uh, keep them apart. Yes. So, all right. So, um, uh, next, but actually, you know, before we get to the next episode, we should talk about listener comment because, uh, we got some feedback and we appreciate that. So you guys can message us directly on our page, which you can find us on Facebook at strange highways. You can, you know, like if you want to message us directly or email us, we will, uh, respond to that. So, uh, and, uh, little listener, Nick recently just posted an image of an arrow and said, I shot an arrow into the air and we're like, yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> I hope you lived with your water, uh, hydration, uh, dehydration and you went to Reno. So I hope that, that Nick survived shooting an arrow in the air. So we have a, like he posted that recently when we rec- recognized that. And then we also have Austin who, uh, messaged us uh, directly. He said, Hey guys, uh, new listener, but I'm enjoying the podcast so far. I uh, don't know how much you guys like feedback or listener comments, which we do enjoy a great deal. So please, comment and react to what we're saying. Um, he's like, I was, uh, I'm sure and aware that CBS is uh, rebooting the TZ as in twilight zone on their streaming service. However, I noticed that outside the new reboot, there are still references to the twilight zone uh, made in pop culture. So in the new toy story trailer, there is a scene where a doll sits up and says, I'm Gabby followed by a scary sequence, which with Woody uh, being chased by the ventriloquist dummies. So, um, yes, that is a direct reference to the dummy with the talking Tina. We'll get to that soon. And he just wanted to mention, he's like, I feel like, you know, that there are more references to the Twilight Zone out there than the series itself. And I agree with that. So, uh, we appreciate your comic, uh, Austin. And I agree. Like the Twilight Zone has a much bigger reach than just the series itself. Like we've talked about, um, the Simpsons and Futurama, 
with their scary door thing. Like the Twilight Zone is everywhere, and and Toy Story Four make a reference to it. That's pretty great too. So, yeah, um, and everyone's yeah. talking about the new season. Like, oh, Twilight Zone's back. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's never really uh never really gone away. No, it's always been kind of out there uh, in pop culture and uh, being referenced all over the place and just in writing. I mean, would we have like an M Night? I, I can never say his last name. Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Uh, would, would we have his kind of storytelling without having a Serling out there? You no. know, like who would know? I mean, will we have Black Mirror without the Twilight Zone? I don't think so. So, yeah. That's what um, I mean. Yeah. So even outside of like just straight references, just people who were influenced it and their work being influenced by Serling in the Twilight Zone. Um, Twilight Zone has never really gone away. Yeah. So, so yeah, we appreciate the comment and like, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, I feel like this is something that's permeated everything. So yes. And this makes us, and also because Disney actually had, um, what the, um, tower of terror, which was a, a ride that was directly influenced by the twilight zone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, um, that Pixar would include like kind of references to that. So yeah, like, I, I feel like this is a thing that, that, even though other shows have may have done it differently, like when people reference the twilight zone, they always kind of, kind of like hint towards like the twist and like pulling the rug out from me, like underneath you. So yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's there and it's prevalent. So absolutely. So we appreciate the comment. We appreciate you writing to us and anybody else can write us like directly to our Facebook or email us. So please let us know your thoughts, feelings about everything. And, uh, we really, 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 really appreciate you listening to the show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's been a wild ride so far. I can't wait to, uh, get <laughs> through this season. <laughs> yeah. We may or may not have different opinions about what we feel is the best or worst of the season, but we're almost there. So yeah. Yeah. So. I, I can't wait like for how many ups and downs we've had in season three. I can't wait to do our end of the season wrap up show for this one. It's yeah. going to be. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely. So next episode is called the trade-ins and here we go. I, I, um, I will read this and it takes a turn. So I'll just say that, uh, we have a return visit next week from mo- a most eminent performer, Joseph Schillenkraut and his vehicle is called the trade-ins. It's the story of a future society in which new bodies may be traded for old. It's my own personal feeling that all the various story areas we've tackled in the Twilight Zone, this has the most import and carries with it the most poignance. I hope you'll be with us next week. Here, in one cigarette at Chesterfield, is all the flavor and taste of 21 of the world's finest tobaccos. Aged mild and then blended mild. The end result, tobacco too mild for a filter, pleasure too good to miss. Smoke for pleasure, smoke Chesterfield quite the poignant cigarette ad there (laughs) there's i i can't not not pivot into the like the tobacco you know like i have to like it's what's written so next episode of the trade-ins where people trade their bodies because their lungs are ruined because of cigarette smoke probably not true um (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited though it's uh directed by uh elliot silverstein who did obsolete man so yeah it's uh that was one of our favorites from the series so far yeah always excited to see what he brings to the table yeah, so we'll see what happens. So, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. That's going to do us for uh, Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. And, uh, yeah, 
we're past this and I'm kind of glad. Yeah, we got we got some uh heavy hitters coming up in the rest of the season. So um hopefully we're out of the dry spell. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. We'll talk to you guys next week. See you guys. your planet?